Welcome in to the new PFF NFL Daily. Here's a recent snippet from the PFF NFL podcast. Brad, I will give you the opportunity to start here with an intriguing team for whatever reason. So tell us the team and tell us the reason why you think they're very intriguing heading into this offseason. Yeah, so I had the three C's here. I had the Colts, Commanders, and Cardinals. Uh, I'll start with the Cardinals, um, who I think are fascinating for a bunch of reasons. Uh, obviously, they have the extra first-round pick coming from Houston for the Will Anderson trade. Their own pick should be a top five, maybe top ten pick, depending on how they finish this season out. But there's just so many decisions to make. Like, Are you going with Kyler Murray for the long term? Are you keeping his college buddy in Marquise Brown, who's a pending free agent on the roster? Um, their top ten in, in cap space going forward, even with that veteran quarterback deal. And I really like what they did this past offseason. Paris Johnson's coming along nicely. The, the, the tackle they took in the top 10. Uh, Michael Wilson, the young rookie receiver, has been really good when healthy and playing. Garrett Williams, the corner out of Syracuse with the torn ACL. I love the idea of taking a guy who you know isn't going to play right away, but you're also not trying to win games right away. And right. he probably went later than his talent would indicate. Um you know, and you go to like BJ Ojolari, I think, has been maybe their best pass rusher um, already as a rookie. So look, the, they still have a lot to do. They have a lot of talent to infuse into this roster, but they have the resources to do so. Um, they had the quarterback, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do they go trade him, take it, Jaden Daniels? Or, or do they maybe lose enough games to get the second overall pick, what have you? Um, but I think the Cardinals have so many different directions to go. And the key for this new regime with Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon was maintaining that optionality and giving themselves various different outs and different approaches. I like Drew Petsing, what he's done on offense. I, I like everything they've done, which I know sounds silly about a 3-10 and 10 football team, but I just think they understand the long-term vision. And I'm excited to see you know, how they continue to build this thing out because I thought their, their first offseason, in my opinion, was a home run of understanding where you are and understanding where you're trying to go um, but not doing it too quickly and, and putting band-aids that aren't open heart wounds and just taking this thing slow, draft and develop. Uh, it, it's been it's been good. No, I, I I agree with everything that you said. You know, it's kind of like that Drake meme where it's the three and ten New England Patriots, and you're like, mm, no, 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 I don't want any of that. And then it's like the three and ten Arizona Cardinals. You're like, yes, all right, I'm cool, I'm cool with that. That's actually good. So it's the same record, but they're very different, right? I think they're teams that have. Two very different trajectories. The arrow is definitely pointing down for the New England Patriots. It's pointing up for the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I agree with you completely. It's weird to say about a team with three wins, but you take all the context into account, a new general manager, a new head coach, your starting quarterback is out for the, what was it, first like six, seven, eight weeks of the season. I can't remember how many weeks it was exactly. But not only that, you also cut Colt McCoy like before the season started. So you're just like, all right, Josh Jobs, like figure it out. And so... I think that things have looked better. They looked they looked pretty competent even early on. You know, that New York Giants game they should have come away with. The Dallas Cowboys upset was a big one. And they have just looked a lot more competitive than I thought they were going to be. And if we're going to be honest, you look at this team on paper, they shouldn't be that competitive. Like, even if the rookies are playing early and they're playing decently well, they shouldn't be as competitive as they are. But they are. Um, Jonathan Cannon got some, you know, got some heat for... A uh, little bit of the, what was it, hard knocks? Yeah, like the hard knocks Shots clips. And the, yeah, the, the Rondale Moore, pew, 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 <laughs> shot play. And so people were like, man, this guy is this guy is kind of a, a, a different cat, but it's working. Clearly, this team believes they're playing hard every single week, and you love to see that. So I think the Cardinals, at one point, they were a team where we were saying, yeah, you got to 
draft a quarterback with your very top pick. You got to somehow get out of this Kyler Murray contract. And maybe they still come to that conclusion. But instead, I think it's much more likely that they're keeping Kyler. They've got two first round picks. They're building things really well. And who knows? Like maybe they get to a situation where if they end up picking number two overall and they have another option to trade back and still get a really great wide receiver in this draft or whatever they want to pick first, boom, you get multiple first-round picks beyond that too. So I think the Cardinals are a fascinating team because I didn't believe that they'd be this competent early on, and now I'm already excited about what I'm going to see next year for the Cardinals and um, honestly what I'm going to see from Monty Austinfort in his second year of a general manager drafting because I really liked what he did in that first year drafting. Um, we'll go to the Patriots next. Patriots are another team that uh, that I had on this list, and the reason is because I feel like they have a ton of flexibility, right? The uh, report comes out that they've maybe already made the decision to move on from Bill Belichick. So with that, that opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Not only is the head coach spot opening up, but also general manager spot, right? Because Belichick has been the de facto general manager for this team since 2000 when he took the job. And that's been a big area of criticism for the Patriots is Bill's a great coach, a great defensive mind. But when it comes to team building, especially when it has come to acquiring and valuing offensive talent, once Tom Brady left, then shoot, even when Tom Brady was there, it just has not been what it's needed to be. You mentioned Tom Telesco's troubles as a general manager. I mean, Bill Belichick's misses in the early rounds are bad. And there's something to be said about, okay, maybe you're not hitting on as many day three picks you need to hit on. Bill Belichick didn't hit on as many top 50 picks as he needed to hit on. So you know that there's big changes that are coming there. There's changes at the quarterback position as well. I cannot imagine that Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi is the starting quarterback for this team in week one of 2024. So you got that to, to bring into the equation. And they have a lot of flexibility. And you're more of the cap guy than I am. But when I researched the Patriots and, and how much um, flexibility that they had this offseason, projected cap space. They have the third most, most projected cap space, the fourth most uh, effective cap space, and the second lowest active cap space, meaning the guys that are under contract are not taking up a ton of what they already have. So they, to me, that spells out you have a world of possibilities to bring in some free agents, um, a bigger draft class, and entice a head coach and general manager to say you have the opportunity to not only sign the veterans that you would want in March, but also potentially get Caleb Williams or Drake May if they end up with that first or second overall pick. So to me, this is one of the more, if you can get past the fact that the Patriots have been a constant winning franchise over the last 20 years, and that automatically will come with pressure from ownership, from the fan bases, you're following up the greatest NFL head coach of all time, right? Like if you can get by that pressure, this job is going to be more of the more of one of the most alluring ones that we have this offseason. Yeah, and that is a challenge. I think a key here, too, is you talk to people that are up for these types of jobs and you ask, like, what's one of the big factors no one thinks of? The owner and who they're working with is the answer you get almost every single time. And like I think Robert Kraft has shown time and time again both a willingness to 
you know, spend on talent and not even just on the football field, but around the building itself to also just entrust the football people to take care of the football and be hands off where it's appropriate as well. Like, I think it's a very attractive job. I, I get it though, right? It's like following Tom Brady at quarterback uh, for Mac Jones, is akin to now you're following Bill Belichick at head coach for this team. Like you said, the fans are going to have, you know, sky high expectations pretty much always. But yeah, no, they, they can they can go many different directions. You'd hope they they get one of those top picks at quarterback if you're the new guy coming in, um, you know, because they do. They need to make a switch at that position. But, yeah, they're going to be fascinating. The last piece I, I want to throw us back to you. If they trade Bill Belichick, who do you think should be should be in the trade market for, for Billy B? Uh, I mean, should should is kind of a loaded word because Belichick just has. I mean, the teams have not been good for a while. Um. The Chargers kind of like come to mind because it's interesting if he like if we have the quarterback situation figured out, like if you have Justin Herbert, then can Bill figure out the rest of the roster and get that to a good point? So the Chargers kind of come to mind, but I don't know if that's a realistic option. Carolina's kind of an intriguing one. Um, him working with Tepper might be an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. So I don't know how well that one would work out but those are the two that come to my mind like some people have talked about him maybe taking over for todd bowles in tampa bay if todd bowles is out because it's been disappointing this year with bowles but i don't know jason jason light the general manager has ties to the patriots organization you know before he became uh, a member of the cardinals organization in their front office and then that was before he became the general manager for the buccaneers so he has those ties but it's hard for me to think the Bucks are going to go from defensive-minded coach in Bulls to another defensive-minded coach in Belichick. Maybe Bel- Belichick's name and pedigree outweighs that no matter what, but those are the three kind of pop into my head. I don't know. Is there another one that really stands out to you that makes a lot of sense? I think those are good. I think the Commanders are the last one. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Scott commanders Harris. are a good yeah. one. Their Commanders yeah. are a good one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, And I think they're one of the teams we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, they're on my list here. So, yeah, I mean, they're just interesting because, again, and I'll jump into it. Also, while, while I'm going through my next one, which is the Commanders tie, just get a ticker. Trevor Sikama does not want Bill Belichick to coach his favorite team. Just while, you know, do that, do that while while I'm moving on here. No, I no, I don't. <laughs> you didn't say that? Oh, you didn't say Okay. All right. He's <laughs> so... The Washington Commanders are my next one here. Um, I do think Belichick would be interesting for them. A lot of people point to the connection to you know Navy and, and being near Annapolis. He obviously did the college game day there the other day, but but also what they did at the deadline was again give themselves a, a lot of optionality here. You know, five draft picks that'll be in the top 100 uh, if you include the Chase Young compensatory pick, which will be right around there. Um, and, and I think Sam Howell could be the solution. I think it's been interesting. His pressure to sack rate has come way way down. From the first half of the season to the second half of the season, you do have some intriguing pieces there to work with. I know Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson haven't been super productive this year, but they are there and they're talented players. On defense, you have Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne to kind of build around. Um, some pending free agents like a Kendall Fuller, like a Cameron Curl at safety. But mm-hmm. I think you have a decent nucleus. And then you have the second most cap space in the NFL and those five top 100 draft picks I mentioned. So. Do they build around a Sam Howell and add a bunch of talent or, you know, offensive line, go get a Joe Alt, go get an Olu Fashanu to protect the Sam Howell, maybe add an edge rusher with one of those picks as well? Or 
do they, if they keep losing, maybe take another quarterback, start over there again? I think that's going to be fascinating to me is which direction they go. I think I would try to build this plan around somehow and just like see where you're at. It depends. If you get a top two pick, you use it on a quarterback. But otherwise, I say get an, get a tackle in there, get an edge rusher in there, maybe another corner in the second round, too, in a, in a pretty deep class um, and just see what you can do. Yeah, uh, shout out the graphics team very quick with the uh, with the ticker there. Already getting that up per Brad's request. No, I think that the commanders, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, are a very intriguing team. But I, I think the most intriguing element is the one that you mentioned previously, and that is the ownership factor. New ownership in Washington, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it could be fantastic, right? I mean, like th- it has the possibility to be Every, and and it, it has the possibility to be fantastic, catastrophic, and everything in between. So we just don't know. But if this ends up being an ownership structure that is very empowering to the front office and to the head coaches, uh, great with the players, you know, really turning around the organization and the reputation from when Dan Snyder owned the team, then all of a sudden, like, it's a big market. Like, it, it, D.C. has a rabid fan base, one of the biggest in the NFL, a passionate fan base. And so... You can really, I think, hit it big in a turnaround with Washington because I think people look at the commanders and understandably they'll look at this roster and and you mentioned a lot of the flexibility that they have. Well, they have flexibility because it hasn't gone in the right direction, right? And there's some pieces you like, some pieces you don't. There's parts of this roster that are going to look very different. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it is a situation where you could turn this thing around pretty quickly. Like it's not the worst in the NFL and and having flexibility is a good thing as long as you have the right ownership that you are working with. So that's why Washington's really intriguing to me. And I think depending on the caliber of potential head coaches that interview for this team, maybe get second interviews and ultimately become the head coach and general manager of this organization, that might, might tell you what they believe about the front office. Because, look, I don't know if this is for sure, right? This is kind of speculation here. But given how things have gone in Carolina, it's interesting when you go back a year ago, Ben Johnson interviews for the head coach job and then goes, nah, I'm good, actually. I'm going to go back to Detroit and be the offensive coordinator. Did he interview with that job, see what it would have been like working with that front office and that ownership and say, mm, I'm good, actually, you know, so because we have to think about that stuff. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but if, if if it's the opposite in Washington, that's very powerful, like you said. So I think that the commanders are definitely uh, one of those teams that are, are very intriguing for my next team. I'm going to go with one that's very near and dear to your heart. I have to talk about the Chicago Bears. One of us has to talk about the Chicago Bears here as being one of the most intriguing teams. Not only do they have two picks within the top six now, it was the top five, now it's the top six. They are intriguing because of what Justin Fields has sort of been towards the second half of this season, right? At the beginning of the year, when I watched Justin Fields, I was like, man, more of the same with Justin Fields. Very hesitant, not confident. That ball is just coming out of his hand with no juice. You could tell he's not stepping into it. He's second-guessing himself. This is not a quarterback, no matter how talented, who can win at this level if mentally he is in this state. Over the last, I think it's three games. Um, want to make sure. So, no, 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 not even, not even three games. It's much longer than that because I was thinking about the bye week. But if you take out just those first two games, they looked terrible from him. Week one and week two. If you just go week three to week 14, so just take out those first two games, Justin Fields. 79.6 overall grade, 
77.3 passing grade, 74.9 rushing grade. He only has one turnover-worthy throw in that entire stretch, okay? He has more turnover-worthy plays than that, but I went back and I watched all of them. Most of them are fumbles. Most of them are, you know, he's taken off, he's trying to avoid pressure, maybe he's trying to get the ball out quick, whatever it is, and the ball kind of like comes out of his hand via a fumble, and that is still a turnover-worthy play. It counts as a turnover-worthy play, but I'm talking about is he reading the field incorrectly? Is he letting the ball go, and is it a turnover-worthy throw? He's only had one of those. From week three to week 14, and he's got three big-time throws in the last three games. So still a lower big-time throw rate than you would want, but he's going in the right direction. And if we have a strong finish to the year for Justin Fields, you have his fourth year, you have his fifth-year option still that you could pick up. That's two more years to kind of figure this out. If you have the number one overall pick in this draft, you and I have chatted about this before. That's probably three first-round picks. Right. So if you believe that Justin Fields can still be the guy, you could set your franchise up real well in the draft over the next three years if you end up trading that number one overall pick again. So it's one of those intriguing things where do they go for the move where they can have their cake and eat it too? You're much more plugged into the Bears situation than I am. But to me, this is once again a team that we're going to be talking about all offseason long from free agency all the way through the draft. Things with, with him too. You mentioned the, the splits there. The one turnover worthy throw is is remarkable, frankly, for that entire stretch. And yeah, he missed some time, but still, that's probably six, seven starts in there. Right. Um, is he also? You mentioned the, the confidence in throwing the football. I also think you're finally now seeing, and this is not blaming him. It's fair. The confidence in the protection, which is finally there because you have, you know, your full troop there. Braxton Jones is back at left tackle. Kevin Jenkins and Nate Davis at the guard spots. And Darnell Wright continuing to be a very impressive rookie, especially with that shoulder looking better. Um, he, he was battling Max Crosby with one arm, uh, which I still thought he was impressive in that game. But, like, you see Fields now, I think, not bail from as many clean pockets or be comfortable just stepping up as opposed to drifting to either side. And I think it's because he actually has faith that his protection is going to be solid. And again, like I'm not blaming him for the the, the former where he didn't trust the protection because he probably should not have. Um, so yeah, there has been a ton of growth. I mean, this past game against Detroit, the throw to Cole Komet on the on the deep crosser, I think it was one of the best throws I've ever seen him make, like an intermediate shot. Going through probably his, I don't know, second or third read in the progression um, and through a laser with perfect placement. So, yeah, there's been a ton of good. I think the fascinating thing really is like if the Carolina pick is third overall, I think the, the, the narrative is just, hey, we've seen growth. We're excited. We're happy. I think it's more a conversation of just like the timeline of contracts and right. like all these like it's not even about the football. Um, but, yes, they, they're going to be fascinating. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah, they uh, it will be the second year in a row in which we will talk a lot and do a lot of bear centric mock drafts. All right. Who is the last team that you have here is the most intriguing teams for this offseason? Yeah. So the Indianapolis Colts to me are fascinating. And right, it's funny. How, it. Yeah. How things swing year to year. So first of all, Anthony Richardson, obviously not even playing right now. And this team is in the thick of the AFC wildcard picture. I think Shane Steichen should be a serious candidate for coach of the year. I'm sure it'll go to a guy that wins a division or makes the playoffs, you know, uh, with a better record, but 
Nevertheless, but he's been able to do with a Gardner Minshew. You look at the underlying data for them, and like they're not really super strong. I mean, they are like out to the top 20 in EPA per play on offense. They're not super explosive, uh, whether as runners or as passers, but they just matriculate the ball down the field. They're remarkably, um, you know, solid in success rate and, and just making sure, you know, Gardner Minshew does make mistakes. He takes some bad sacks. He has some happy feet at times. He had a game with, I think, nine turnover worthy plays earlier this year, or maybe six or seven it was a very high number but what they've been able to do with a rookie and Josh Downs with the growth of Bernard Ryman at left tackle uh Will Fries at right guard like I think you're just seeing a renewed confidence and faith in the team had talent last year I think they just weren't really motivated and and weren't being put in positions to succeed so I just have all the faith in the world that you get an Anthony Richardson who now gets to adjust to the NFL game, who was one of the youngest rookies in the entire draft class already. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I think injuries like this can be kind of a hidden benefit, a blessing in disguise to where he now just grows up as a person. He knows what the NFL life is like, travel and practice and all these things, and now can step in and have fewer boxes to check as he just gets ready to you know, start NFL games. They're fascinating to me. A ton of resources at their disposal. Um, they don't really spend in free agency, but maybe they change that a little bit if they do buy into an Anthony Richardson. I just They're fascinating. I, I, I'm, I'm all in on Shane Steichen, man. I was, I was so impressed with the game plans that he was able to come up with for Anthony Richardson early on in his NFL career, because, you know, we talk about how fragile sometimes young rookie quarterbacks can be. And the first half of their rookie season, if you're making them week one starters can be make or break for a lot of their careers. And, and, And it doesn't have anything to do with talent. It has to do with their confidence, right? We're seeing the polar opposites with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud right now. One of these players is playing with all the confidence in the world, and the other one is playing with about as little as you possibly can and still be a starter at the NFL level. And so those situations and that confidence level drastically go into what kind of talent you end up seeing. And for Richardson, you mentioned how young he was. You mentioned how at UF, it's not like he was this – it's not like he was Cam Newton at UF, right? I mean, he was he was still spotty with his accuracy, spotty with his decision making. There were just moments where you go, boom, he's like that is a building block. He sees it. We just got to get him to see it more often. So there's plenty to love and invest in. But that didn't mean that he was going to be good early on in the NFL. And we've seen head coaches before who go, all right, I don't care how young you are. This is my offense. This is how we're going to run it. And we're going to run it until you get it. And sometimes they don't get it. And some talented quarterbacks have not been able to show us the real talent level they have because of those situations. Steichen was different. Man, those first couple of games with Richardson, even when he was a little bit banged up, you're seeing him cook up some like much easier half-field reads, sale concepts, you know, like where, okay, there's a, all right, I just got to watch where's this defender coming from. Okay. If he's, if he's dropping down, I'm throwing it over the top. If he's staying deep, I'm throwing it underneath and very simple stuff like that throughout the game plan to go, okay, once we master those things, we get your confidence up. We make sure that, you know, you could play in this league and then we'll get into the full field reads. Then we'll get into the, the longer progressions, things like that. He also used design rollouts to play action, the motion. He was already getting those things involved in Richardson's head to where as the rest of his game evolved, all of those things would already be in there. So I just, I, I agree with you completely. I've really loved what I've seen from Shane Steigen and, and not even just with Anthony Richardson, 
when Gardner Minshew came in. Now, he's also designing a different type of game plan for Gardner Minshew. And this, to me, is clearly a coach that understands the strengths of players. Let's build around their strengths. Let's mitigate the situations where their weaknesses might show up. And that's how you come up with a great game plan. And that's when you, when you got a coach that can do that for two very different quarterbacks. You know you got the guy who has the experience um, and has the creativity, the willingness to do what it takes uh, to win no matter who's out there. And that's a good head coach. So I agree with you completely. Love the Colts. Shout out. My last one is the Chargers. We, we talked a lot about it. You mentioned how they could be cleaning house completely. General manager could be gone. Head coach could be gone. And basically, it's just Justin Herbert. Now, you mentioned they've got some older guys who have a lot of the money on their salary cap. Do you know how flexible those guys are? Or is it a situation where it's like, man, they've got these dudes for the next probably two years here at least before they can move truly move on from them? Because to me, that's the only thing sitting in the way from ushering in a new era of Chargers football. You know, beyond maybe Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, Keenan Allen's probably um, going to be out of there in a couple of years, right? And so, like, it's just a totally new identity for this team. What's the contracts look like of those guys that are taking up a lot of the cap? Mac Williams and Allen are on the final year of their deal next year. So you can't even restructure it without extending them. And you're mm -hmm. not extending any of those players. Maybe Keenan Allen, I suppose, as like a franchise legend. But like, yeah, no, it's not only that they have these exorbitant numbers tied to the players. They also don't have flexibility to move them around. Um, you can approach a player and say, hey, can we tack on void years to, you know, but why would they say yes to that for some of those guys? Can why would they help out the team? Would they, would they cut them? Yeah, that's that's the cut them or trade them and get not a very good trade return because you're still yeah. moving, you know, 15 million plus salaries for all of those players. No, I'm saying they're in the worst situation probably of any team in the NFL. You know, <laughs> it's not a great situation to be in when when you have that tag. That's just not uh, that's not ideal. That's not what you want to go with.